with the Spurs foul. Should Miami go for the three right away? Just attack the basket. James catches, puts up the three. Will go. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History point of Welcome to the Ultimate Super Coach and Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Insight Fantasy Sports Podcast. Boom shakalaka! G'day everyone, this is at NBA Wiz, and joining me is a tale of two Matties this evening, my friend Matty Manley. How you doing, mate? Very good, Wiz. How are you? Mate, I'm, I'm absolutely divine looking at that glorious mustache of yours and that deep cut San Antonio Spurs tee you're rocking, but it's, it's a little bit it's of a this and a little bit of this. You, oh, you handsome devil. We're here to talk about things all, all so saucy like that. I'll, I'll get my radio. We're here to talk a little bit of sauce and jazz, Utah style. Mate, you were excited to jump on this pod about them. Bit of bit of smooth, mountain, salty jazz. You were excited to talk about the Utah Jazz this mm. season because they're going to set the NBA world on fire necessarily like they did to start the 22-23 season. But why are you high on Utah this season, mate? Yeah, I think just uh, similar to the other pods I've done uh, for Insight, looking at the Spurs, um, looking at Brooklyn and uh, looking at the Wizards, I feel like the Utah Jazz have a, a similar flavour. They're a team that uh, probably won't get a lot of airtime, but in a fantasy lens, they're going to be very exciting. They're a team that we need to think about and talk about. They really are, and I think that's put under the lens of their incredible start to last season. Like This is a team that was hot off the gates, the best team in the NBA. Now, I know that seems like such a hyperbole, but their record indicated that the Utah Jazz were the most competent, well-executed basketball team in the NBA after 10 games. Like, they were clearly blowing everyone away. Everyone was super high on them, obviously spearheaded by one Lowry marketing. And I'm going to ask you the question straight off, Mally. Is he in for a repeat success of the shining 22-23 season that we saw from Lowry last season? Yeah, he kind of came down to earth a little bit um, in the in the latter part of the season. So I think we need to temper our expectations a little bit. But, um, yeah, I guess it just goes to show nobody expected anything from Utah and they came out and performed so I mean probably makes you think what other NBA teams are in a similar position this year but I think there's still plenty of excitement around the Utah Jazz as I said before from a fantasy lens so yeah that's why we're here to talk about them today. A hundred percent, mate. Now, talking about their ins and their outs, I guess one of the other guys that's he's right at the top of your list, and you've done a great job laying out the uh, the old PowerPoint for those watching on the YouTube. But you've thrown this out there with John Collins, obviously at the top of your ins list. Talk us through the ins and the outs for uh, the Jazz this season, mate. Yeah, John is obviously the exciting one. Feels weird calling him John. John Collins <laughs> is obviously the exciting one. Um, Omar Yurt Seven's another big boy. Um, you know the the. Heat had a had big plans for him, or at least the Heat supporters had big plans for him. Um, he's now become part of the Jazz, and I think it'll be a, a welcome addition there. Um, we've got Joey Hauser on a two-way. With the ninth pick, we've got Taylor Hendricks. The 16th pick, we have Keontae George, a, a, a guy that you like uh, a little bit of his flavor. We've got at the 28th pick, their third first-round draft pick was uh, Bryce Sensible. Then we've got Tavian Kinsley, Romeo Langford, a friend of mine from the from the Spurs, and um, Nick on gender, which is uh, all three of those guys, Kinsey, Langford, and on gender on Exhibit 10 contracts. And then leaving on the other side in the revolving door is uh, Vernon Carey Jr., Rudy Gay, the 37-year-old. I don't know what he's got left in the tank, but that doesn't matter to the Utah Jazz. He's off now. Frank Jackson, Damian Jones, and Juan Toscano-Anderson, who last I read wasn't doing much besides trying out for a, a position with the Golden State Warriors. I don't know if he got it or not. But meaningful fantasy of all of these ins and outs, the only person there that's – oh, no, I'm not going to say the only person. That's a little bit crap and a little bit sleeper, not sleeper savvy of me. The two big people are probably John Collins and Keontae George. Taylor Hendricks somewhat. We'll talk about that later on. I know you're interested, you're keen to talk about Taylor Hendricks and what he can do with these organizations. But those yeah. are really the three of all these movers or shakers. Why is Taylor Hendricks for you? Are you a little bit, hmm, what, what have you got in there for me? 
Yeah, it's hard to tell. I don't, I can't see exactly what Utah seen him, but for a ninth uh, a pick in the first round, there's got to be something that they see that we don't. So we'll have a talk about him later and see if we can try and try and get on the same page as the Utah Jazz. But I, I agree. I think Keontae George is the one to watch from this list, and I also think he has the clearest path for minutes. So from from a fantasy perspective, he's probably the one that we need to pay some attention to. Now, you've put this together for us. Talk me through. We've been doing this exercise on these inside team season pods where what we do is we, we, we look at the season and we look at basically who's going to be up, down, or sideways from where they were last year. And some of them are equal signs, which like, oh, they're going to return the, the same value as last year. Like they were basically like 20th last year. They'll be like 19th, 18th, up to 22. Like we give a room of two or three rankings to be about equal. Uh, plus values is over that. Uh, under value is under that. You've gone pluses, minuses, and a couple of the like maybe about the same, but it's too early to tell. So talk us through your list, Mally. Yeah, I might be a little optimistic with John Sexton. Oh, John Sexton. Jeez, I'm throwing John in there everywhere now. Colin Sexton getting uh, a plus on his scorecard here. I think if, in one lens, he probably can't do worse than he did last year. But another lens, we know only uh, four years ago now, three, four years ago, he was in a position where he was um, an exciting player. And he's got opportunity on this team. He looks like he's going to be the the starting point guard. He's come out and said that he wants to get back to where he was. He wants to be a starting point guard. But that's kind of just NBA speak for no one's had a, had a conversation about me in a while. And I've got to say something positive about myself. So, but you look, there's, there's positives there. Like the the field goal percentage is is pretty admirable. Um, at 507 and then we got um 819 can't even say my numbers properly as a as a free throw percentage the real worry with him is going to be whether he can pass the ball um that 2.9 assists is a bit a bit sad to look at isn't it for a starting point guard in the NBA yeah it makes me really really sad i mean you, you look at this point guard let's let's talk point guards for a second let's talk at our elite point guards let's talk our point guards who like Tyrese Halliburton and Shea Gilgis Alexander you know these first round guys this Steph Curry like even our late round guys like um D'Angelo Russell it's more it's it's double the point it's double the assists a game and i mean maybe their percentages aren't as good as his from the like he did have a better f- like showing from the floor. But what also concerns me for my point guard is that his plays in isolation and his off the dribble is he's lessened that a lot. It's like got a lot more getting to the cup. Like he's taking smarter shots, but it's only resulting in one three-point a game. And, and to be fair, I want my point guard putting down at least two plus a clip. Like if, if you're shooting as a point guard or any kind of guard in the NBA, only one three-point is a game. It's it's not that way, considering that you look down the rest of the Jazz roster and Larry Markinen, your power forward, small forward, small five occasionally last term for, point, for points in the is knocking down three. He's doing it every way. So for me, that's always been my concern with Sexton. He's he's a real flair for outside shooting. And we're going to take a deeper dive into him later, but I think where you're going to be picking up him up. On the uh, on the north side of pick a hundred, I know when I get to that stage, I'm trying to really scrounge out of point guards the ability to get some assists and two point nine really isn't cutting it. I'm going to give you some statistics about where he's uh, assist land uh, in a couple Ooh. of slides time, so we might move on from him. About Jordan Clarkson, the uh, the Love Filipino it. superstar, holding the uh, holding the team I together. Love Look, I, I I love Jordan Clarkson in NBA fantasy. For one reason, I will obviously draft him. I shouldn't say I love him. How's this? I find what he can do admirable for where he goes. Because if you are drafting him at 125 and you are getting 21 points a game in the hundreds, you are getting points. And you need to factor that into your builds. Because if he's knocking down two, three-pointers a game, he's getting you 20 points a game. And you think he's going to be a bit less value here. So let's say he goes down to 19 points a game, 18 points a game this season still in the 120s because he is going in similar spots. His ADP value is around 130 so far. I've seen him bump up to a couple in like the 110s, but I've also seen him go like in the 140s, like late 140s in drafts like the last round. Like people are like, oh, Jordan Clarkson's there. I've seen people jump on him early stupidly at like 90 thinking that he's going to be just, oh, I need points. So they, just, they plug and play. You can tell in a draft who's definitely trying to milk the points category if they jump like three, four rounds early for Jordan Clarkson. 
but if you've been savvy enough to factor in your field goal percentage, which isn't great at, you know, at four, uh, four, four, uh, around 440, you, you know, you, you're going to factor that in. But he gets you four assists a game. He gets you four rebounds a game. He's not going to con- like conversely do anything by yeah. way of defense for you. We're also talking about a team that had the 23rd ranked defense at 116 points per game last season of 30 teams. So we're the bottom third of the NBA. So you're not getting a lot of steals, one would say, out of the Utah Jazz organization as a whole. Um, but I really like what he can do nice late that. for those points and keeping and buoying my free throw percentage and for chipping in rebounds and chipping in assists. Even if that comes back down to three rebounds a game this season and like 3.5 assists, you're not going to get that kind of play in those fields generally that late in the draft. No, the only thing I look along his um his stat line here, and the only thing that stands out to me as being a potential worry, and maybe the reason that he's getting my a negative symbol from me there is that twenty seven percent usage, and then I start playing with that in my head, and I think they've got Larry Markin in there at twenty six percent usage, so about about on par, but then you've got low usage pays around him. So when I'm when I'm considering that usage dropping, I don't know where it's going to go. Colin Sexton at twenty three percent, that's probably a high watermark for him. And then you've got John Collins, who isn't a high usage. He was at 17% last year. I mean, that was a bit of a low for him at Atlanta. But Walker Kessler at 13%, I guess he's the guy. Like, he and he and Larry are the guys taking the shots and potentially Colin Sexton eats into that a little bit um, if he can get back into form. But another thing we need to consider with Jordan Clarkson too is the potential that he could if Colin Sexton can't lift, move into the point guard position as well, we know he can pass. We know he can, he's got a great eye for the game. He can control. The, uh, he's, he's a floor general. Like he, he looks around. He knows what he's doing out there. So there's that potential. Yeah, don't let the dopey in there too. So yeah. I look at that now. Yeah, don't let the dopey dreadlock haircut fool you. Don't don't let don't let this uh, dreadlocked cool guy fool you. He's like an NBA veteran now. He just looks like he's like a teenager who should be in a rap video. Oh, that's the only. That's the only. That's the only like bad watermark yeah, between Clarkson. He's got a head like in a head like a neglected Barbie doll. But um, besides that, we're, we're not here to do uh, fashion takes. But uh, yeah, obviously he's a valuable fantasy guy. But you're right. I think people probably get too excited about him. They see those twenty-one points. They go, "Give me now," and uh, they're going to pay more for him than what he's worth. They're going to take him higher than what he's worth. I, that's what I've seen in draft so far anyway. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm seeing in mock draft. So if you're seeing a guy um, draft Jordan Clarkson uh, in the 80s and 90s, you know they're just really trying to get him points as much as possible and make that really hard for you. But just know that you need to be targeting other areas strongly because they're going to be neglecting that to go for points real deep and hard. Uh, the big man in town, Mr. Utah himself, Lowry Markinen, arrived last season to a triumphant season, one would say. Uh, everyone's favorite for most improved player, breakout star of the year. He really just shone a spotlight on the Jazz organization from day dot. And he's the Finnish military service man. He's the polished product of a quality NBA human being. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's returned this season to Utah. You've said it going either way. Is that because of the arrival of, of pretty much John Collins in that forward spot? So you're not expecting him to yield the same return because there's a bit of a timeshare around the, the forward position. Is, is that where you're at? Where are you at? It definitely plays into the picture. I think as well, we began to see a slowdown in Larry and stats. He came back down to earth a little bit. We saw a little bit more of Cleveland Larry Markinen in the latter quarter of last season. He he obviously exploded onto the stage. I know personally, I took him in uh, one of my drafts last season. And once I started to see the value, I've sold him. What At that stage, I thought I was selling high. I thought I better get this guy off. And I got a good return from him. Can't remember who it was, but I was happy with the return I got for Larry Mark. And then he kept on doing the same thing. Um, so I realized he wasn't a flash in the pan. I was happy that I, I, I got value for him. But yeah, I don't know. He might be another person who is close to... I know he's still young, but close to seeing his ceiling. Um, three three-pointers i don't think that'll stay the field goal percentage probably will 
I think some of those rebounds might get taken away from him now that we've got a proper starting centre and Walker Kessler for a whole season and John Collins, but he's still a seven-foot shooting uh, small forward. Like He's a mammoth for the man out there, and they're going to be a scary team to line up against, I think, just from that point, at least anyway. Look, I'm definitely seeing what you're seeing there as well. Look, after the trade deadline, um, Larry only played 15 games. After the trade deadline, like he was injured, I had him in my team and I had to scramble. I mean, I'm lucky I won a couple of leagues last year. I, I did well. But when he started resting with his injury, that was concerned. But you're right. Uh, he did taper off. In fact, hashtag basketball after last season. You see him in there. He was the 18th ranked guy. And he's going about the same, if not earlier, top 15 right now like you, pretty much you can see the name larry marketing going off in drafts between 15 and 20 not uncommon you know what i mean like you're not gonna you know you'd be not gonna be shocked but he actually returned the 28th value um according to them after the mba dead uh, after the trade deadline last year and the big taper off for him as you said he came back down to earth by way of field goal percentage it was at 450 so it's dropped like 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 point like five of a percent, which is quite a, not not point five like point zero five of a percent. Yeah, that's a good but margin. that's actually seeing, but that's a good margin. Like it's like oh, but it's only point. No, it's actually in fantasy. That's a lot. In fact, putting it at four fifty actually puts it in the red zone. So when you're talking about the averages, it actually makes it like not efficient. Like he's dropped down from his really high efficiency um, down into below a normal shooter at that point in time. So it really was a little bit of a crash back to earth. Obviously, as well, he was the focal point of their offense. So he was taking all the looks and taking all the shots and defense has kind of got there. He's still putting 2.3, 2.93s a game, 28 points a game, eight rebounds. But, you know, he doesn't really give you many, you know, steals or blocks or those kind of categories. He turns it over a couple of times a game. But if he just happens to drop into the mid-20s, 25th, 26th, I'll be comfortable taking him there, knowing that that's about where he's going to be. I think he'll return similar value to second half of last season after the trade deadline, Larry Market in this season. Uh, so I definitely think he's going to be a down on where he was, his absolute, his absolute peak ceiling. John Collins, comeback Collins. Let's call him the comeback kid. The comeback Collins tour. You think it's real, yeah? I'm hoping it is. I mean, I, I went back and, and looked at his statistics over the last four years and I watched that peak and there was a lot of excitement. I still remember it must have been three fantasy seasons ago, three actual NBA seasons ago, where people were so high. No, nah, just fantasy. Like, is this athletic? It's just fantasy. Yeah. Only, only, only fantasy yeah. is important, Mally. We know that. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, it's there's a game behind it. We don't have to worry about that. It's just a, a fantasy glimpse. But, um, yeah, you know, like he, he was able to block shots. His percentages were sexy. Um, he could hit threes. Uh, he rebounded. He'd get a couple of assists, you know. And then things fell off and um, Atlanta seemed to get cold, go cold on him. And then he's was the name that would come up constantly. This is the year that John Collins gets traded. And I feel like that happened yep. every year for the dude. And yet he had to keep turning up after um, training camp and play another season. And and that must have worn him down a little bit too. So he's got his fresh start here. We'll see what he can do. Um, he's in about as good a position as he's going to get. Let's hope that he can return form. We're going to look at him a little bit later again um, in a few slides time. But yeah, he is someone I'm quietly excited on. And I think he's one of those guys... He's not going to have a worse season than last year in the position he's in. We know what he can do. We're just hoping that we see him get back to that form. Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, even if it, it's like John Collins' light from that time, if you can find him at a reasonable – let's look, he's not going to be one of these bargain basement guys. You pick up like, oh, my God, I can't believe that John Collins is still sitting there at 110. I don't think he'll go outside the top 100 in many drafts. Like his ADP is starting to round into that upside, but he is going to be possibly a one top 100 player. You can see there at the end of the season that he finished at 114th. And if he can come back in a better situation, which again, it probably is situationally, it's very much like the Jalen Brown like thing. Like, you know, oh, he's going to be traded every year. You're going to be traded. Oh, we're going to get KD. Oh, we're going to trade you. You know what I mean? Like that kind of has got to get into your head after a while. And you can, there's been so much turmoil in Atlanta, like coaching changes, like 
like infighting, Trey going nuts at people left, right, and center. Like it just doesn't seem like a good workplace environment. And I think Collins actually felt that the most. Like he looked to be a super happy dude. And then it just wasn't. Like it was gonna be the it was gonna be the Trey and Collins show. And it never eventuated into that. It was always about get another superstar in, get another person in, get someone else to help Trey win. Trey is the winner, you know, ooh, ice cold. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm hating on Trey. But at the same time, like if you're going to be the leader in a locker room, you've got to take the other guys along with you for the ride. And I think he's still sitting on the platform. John Collins is still very much sitting on the platform waiting for his train to come. And it has. And now it's taken him to Utah. So I definitely see we're going to have a return to form here. Um, last year, one of everybody's favorite hype trains afterwards really, really was Walker Kessler, uh, or I like to call him because he's in Utah, Rudy Gay 2.0. Uh, Walker Kessler can buoy your field goal percentage. He can block your shots, and he's going to absolutely fucking sink your free throw percentage left, right, and center. But we like him, and his name is Walker Kessler, and he is the new Rudy Gay in Utah. It's like they just have this thing for, hey, you're big and can block shots. G'day, Mark Eaton. How are you? Oh, g'day, Rudy Gobert. Oh, Would you like yeah. to come and play basketball? They've definitely got a, a prototype that they're working for there, and I think they must have been chuffed after they got rid of an aging go bear. They've gone and seen that he's kind of, uh, you know, fallen back to earth a little in his new position in Minnesota. They they must be just um, grinning from ear to ear with the player that they got back from Walker Kessler. It took me about three months to figure out if he was Walker Kessler or Kessler Walker because he seems like a man with two first names. <laughs> But once I figured out who he was and then seeing that shot blocking come through and all oh, that was delectable. I don't know. I, I think he's going to probably be, if not the, at least in the top three um, block shot blockers this year. Um, we got to see what he could do last year. His minutes are going to go up this year. He's going to play a full year um, at, at center. If you're punting, free throws, you're going to be in for a good time. You know, his field goal percentage is very strong. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't doesn't do his best work on the offensive end. That's not the guy he is, but that's not why you're picking him up. Look, in the top 200 players last year, of all of the players in this, the, the number one field goal percentage player in NBA fantasy last year after the trade deadline was Walker Kessler when he went on this little comeback tour thing. He was at 736 last year after the trade deadline on, I mean, he's hitting, like it's, he's taking only like, that's just like massive. Like the thing is he does handcuff you. It's not even like it's a passable free throw percentage. Um, after the, after the trade deadline, it was at 454. And as you can see there for the year, uh, it was at 516. So it got worse as the season went on. You generally like to see it kind of climb at the end, like the more like the more games you play. But he also got more opportunities because he was playing more. And that being said, he's only getting two point six attempts at the line a game, but he gets you eleven rebounds basically a game at ten point eight after the deadline. But the three blocks was just delete. Like that's just tasty. The thing is, if he can improve his free throws, and if if you watch the preseason, and it looks like he's got a new shooting stroke on, and he can improve that to six fifty. Like that's a, I mean, that's a pretty massive jump, but even over 600 at only that amount of games, if you've got a volume free throw, if you've got a volume free throw shooter that takes a lot of free throws at a really high clip. So I'm talking guys like, who's a good example? Someone like even Kyrie Irving, you know what I mean? He's got one, he's got a free throw percentage in the 900s. Like him, like him and Bojan Bogdanovich kind of don't miss. Like they're all up in there like that 900s, 940s. Um, those kind of dudes. But if you can get a guy or a couple of guys in your team on volume to stack in really nicely, you can you can kind of accept it a little bit and that can really help your free throw, like help your other areas out. Like guys like Damian Lillard who shoot 900 and even get double that at, at 10 free throws a game, then you're starting to look real good. Mikhail Bridges, he gets like seven and you can get him in like a couple of rounds. So you start to stack those 900 percentage guys in with him. You, you're probably going to get like, basically what it becomes is what I'm trying to say. is so if you can get to 20 free throws a game and you're going to be hitting like 700 or like 800% of them, 
well, then you're looking okay. And that makes up for it. But you've got to be really careful if you look in with that with Walker Kessler. I think you're going to be able to hide him pretty easily in that regard. You said there he only gets to the line two and a half times a game. If he's hitting one and missing the other one, that's not really disturbing things too much. I think you're going to be able to recover from that quite well. We're not talking about a, a Giannis here who's at the line 10, 15 times a game and missing half of them. This is very recoverable. I think you won't have to you don't have to look into a punt free throw with a with a man like this, but you're right. I think every shot counts, and if you're really in a position where you can't mask him, maybe you don't pick him up. But uh, as you said there, you put him next to a Kyrie, and that goes from a combined between them, um, you know, 12 free throws a game, and you're hitting nine of the 12. That's still a good clip. Yeah, 100%. Mate, we've got Chris Dunn there. He won't be the same. He can cut either way because of his role there. We've already talked about some changes coming up, but I want to get to those. But OG Abaji, you're thinking uh, OJ Abaji. What do you what do you reckon he's going to be doing this season in this roster? Because he's one of the guys who stayed around. So guys like Ochi Abaji, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, who has a role there. I think the guy who's going to go down, as you put there with THT, is, is him and Kelly Olinick. They're not in for the same minutes or possibly the same role as they had last year. I mean, he was he was a 14th pick in last year's draft, so he's only had one year out to prove himself, but I think that he's going to do some work this year. Um, in the time he had last year, putting up at only 21 minutes a game, eight points isn't too sexy, but one and a half threes, um, eight 16 as his free throw percentage, rebounds and assists are a little light on, but there's promise there, and he's going to get an opportunity this year. And I think he's someone that if you're playing in a 20-man league, he's definitely someone who you're going to be able to pick up and get some work from. And if you're in a 12-man uh, league like most of us are, he might be someone that you probably won't take as a flyer. He's too far out. But if he can get some minutes behind him, he might be one of those guys worth keeping an eye on. And when um, the Jazz have a big week, you might be able to bring him in and, um, and he can do some work for you off the waiver. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys to watch off the waiver. Like he did see a few more minutes. He got up to, uh, I believe, like 29 minutes a game after the trade deadline last season. Um, so he's definitely one of those guys. Like for me, it's Kelly Olinick who ended up being like he was – I love picking him up as a, an option last year. I just love his all-round game. Like he's – He's another one of these guys who's just – he just reminds me of an old school – like you could literally take a picture of him in a throwback jazz jersey and I wouldn't know what era the guy was playing on with that headband and long hair. Or is he the lead singer of White Snake? I just don't know. But I love what he always does. Like he's one of these floor-stretching big men and he really does stretch the floor. Like he, he can knock down a couple of threes a game. It's usually like 1.5 threes a game. He gets decent percentages. He's got a high free throw clip too. Like he's 870 for free throws and he's hitting over four of them a game. He gets your rebounds. He He's a great passing big man as well. So it's really going to be – it's not a shame to see him fade, but he will be faded this season. But he's definitely going to be – like if Walker Kessler goes down – I mean, obviously, if your certain gets the minutes, there's going to be a timeshare going on. But Kelly Olynyk is definitely a pick-up and plug straight away because you know he had that starting role to start. He's still a good basketball player. He is still on this roster. Um, and he could probably he could probably be a really good stream target for you uh, over the course of the season, depending on health and injuries. Mally's, I call these Mally's Jazz. This is your starting five. Look, you put, you put this together with you. Tell us about your starting five for the Utah Jazz because I've got a couple of – I've got one major question for you at the end. I think the, if I am if I was a betting man, I'd say the question probably comes around Colin Sexton, but I could be wrong, so I'll let you surprise me. Um, no, you're, you're yeah, spot on. We'll get to we've, that at the end. We've really done it. <laughs> I, I, all I've got here is that he he – we've got Colin Sexton coming out saying that he's going to put him work to get back to being a, a, a starting point guard. In the next slide where we do a deep dive into him, we'll see that it wasn't all too long ago where he's nearly averaging five assists in a in a shooting guard role. So it's there in him somewhere. Um, I look at this list as well and think, is the John Collins from a couple of seasons ago going to rear his head? I think this might be a bit of a comeback tour for, for 
Colin Sexton and John Collins. Anyone who's got Collins in their name in this team is going to hopefully have an improved season. I worry a little bit um, with anyone trying to take Walker Kessler in that anywhere inside the top, maybe 35. I've seen him go really high. I know that people yeah. think they've got to snabble blocks early and, and try and monopolize the blocks category, but it's such a volatile category. If he drops, you know, 0.4 blocks, that's going to, he's all, all his, um, all his values really tied to his blocks. So I have little concerns about him there. I also look at this and go how far off his ceiling is Larry Markinen. I guess we'll we'll have another season to answer that question. And um, and the last thing I put there was just how lucky are the Philippines to have Jordan Clarkson. Um, yeah, he, he <laughs> really dominated in his time at FIBA before they took leave. He yeah. did, didn't he? Yeah, he, he really did. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think you're spot on with Larry. Um, I, 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 my point about that is I, I don't think that Lowry Markinen – oh, God, am I going to be aggregated on this? I don't think Lowry Markinen is a full-time top 20 NBA player. I think he is. I think he's a top 25, 30 player based on what he's shown last season. But then again, we've got these other samples of him playing in Cleveland where he played his role, these other samples in the Bulls. I mean, this was Lowry unleashed last year. And he came out of the blocks and he fucking cooked. I had him. I had him everywhere. I knew I, – I, you know when you get those plays and you just know you want to hold on to them for dear life? My guys last season going into a draft where it's like, I've got to leave this draft with this guy and this guy, which also – I say this, but I'm also the guy to say, please don't do that in your own drafts. I just do it personally because I find it hard to let go. And Mally, you might be the same. Like we'll do all this research and look at this throughout and we'll put our analyst hat on. And we'll try and do all these stuff. And I'm like, oh, but if you're a if you're new at this, especially, and you're like, oh, I've got to get this guy. I'm so high on him. I'm so high on Larry. I've got to get Larry. Don't like, just don't put your stock and trade in those dudes like that. Like, I had targets who I knew I could get, and I actually probably drafted a couple of them around early, thinking that they could go to two or three rounds more value improved. And I picked up Larry last year in one draft in the seventies, and there you are at the end of the day. I was happy to jump on him right there and then knowing that he, I could probably get him a top 40 value, but I think he's got his ceiling there. I don't think we're going to see the same elite Lowry every season forever. He was basically like, like a almost Kevin Durantish in his mid range, like in what he was doing. Like we're talking these big, long seven foot arch types, mate. I think that was it. Am, am I too, am I too high? Am I too just so, am I too definitive in that? I just think that's it. That that's our best version of Lowry. Like in all of the worlds, that's it. I think we can be a little dismissive of him. I don't want to go as far to say it was a flash in the pan, but if I no. have to have a spicy take, that might be it. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Do as we say, not as we do, because you and yeah. I are probably both um, self victims of going. Oh, I've got to walk away with this guy, and it and it, it paid off with Larry Markin, and but you know I. I don't, I don't like my chances of that happening every year. So I think I'll just put that one in the, uh, in the, in the came down to luck category. But um, yeah. I, I mean, I look at this team. My, my final kind of take: if you just, you don't have to be an, an NBA analyst to look at this team and understand the difference between green and red and how dismal is that, uh, that steals column looking. This team gets about two combined steals a game. That's yuck. And assists yeah, also pretty gross. Like, just yeah, that's oh, um, yeah, it's it's very grim. And look, this is what we're talking about as well. They had the look. Their points per game. They were seventh on on offense last season at 117 points a game. Uh, opposition points per game Blows was very mind. close. It, it's very close though. They would score 117, but they would let their opponents score 118. It's like one point difference yeah. between the two. Their offensive rating was pretty bloody great at 115. They were the 10th, so they made the top 10. Uh, it's pretty good for this team. Net rating, though, overall was 22nd of the team. And look, this is a guy as well who was – this was – Will Hardy is a decent coach. Like Will Hardy is a very good NBA coach. So he was obviously pilfered over there. Um he was pilfered over there into the uh, into the organization from the Boston Celtics as one of their assistants uh, in that whole shape out. And the Celtics really kind of wanted him as their guy. 
But he was like, no, I'm, I'm going to go to the mountains and just live in Utah and get the run of that organization. And he's, they're acquiring really good young talent to couple up there. As you said, the comeback to a Walker Kessler. And also, as you said, you're really on this one because I'm of the opinion, I'll go back to it because I, don't want, I want to do talk about context. Now, let's talk about Colin at the same time. I want to know, can Keontae George be the starting point guard? Because I think Keontae George could snare the role and Colin Sexton plays the good soldier, serviceable backup offensive cook. We saw his high usage earlier on and we spoke about it, that it was 27 usage. Where are you going to get this guy to do work to show that he's a good quality NBA player again? He could probably eat second units. I won't say alive, but he could be really good. But look at those assists, mate. He's one spot before Yusuf Nurkic and behind Aaron Gordon for a point guard. Like, I'm just not buying it. Like, as you said, his best shooting guard, his best season was playing shooting guard in that sex land era uh, of four assists a game. But is this a guy now who just needs to play his role as a scorer? Or do you think he can be Colin Sexton, the facilitator? Because I would argue almost that Keontae George could step in and be better at both straight away. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see Keontae on opening night, but I think as the season goes on, he uh, he's the person I think might end up in the um, in the point guard role. I think Colin Sexton would be best as a six man where he can go out, he can shoot the lights out, he can be electric um, in the minutes he's got on the court and then they can sit him back on the bench until they need him again. It seems so long ago since the Sexton era. I don't know if that was ever an error, if it was just a fun thing to say and that right, that's why it sticks in people's heads. But um yeah, you know, he, he I I think his career he's had his peak. I know he's had his injuries, but I just can't see him he's not gonna be a, a long lived and, and well remembered player in the NBA, I I don't think. And you know, they've got Horton Tucker, they've got George, they've got Dunn, they've got Clarkson, they've got people who can play the point if he doesn't step up and do the job properly. I'm just also stuck <laughs> on you talking about Will Hardy before. And I don't know if you can be racist against your own people, but this might sound racist. Whenever I think of the Bushka <laughs> dolls, I think of Will Hardy being the smaller version of Walker Kessler. <laughs> like it's almost like you open up Walker Kessler and you've got Will Hardy inside. But that might be my white person racist on white person take. Yeah, there you go. Where's your hot It's hot, pretty hot accurate. Hot? Wait, where's my hot hot? You want me to be a hot hot on that one? I can do a couple of these out there. Where is the hot 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 for that? You want a hot 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 for that? Hot 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 uh, take that one away for you. No, look, you put it down there. Like they've got the whole Ben Simmons experience. I call it the Ben Simmons experience. Your whole big guy who can handle the ball in the point guard role. THT actually plays that Ben Simmons facilitator role pretty well. Um, and, and I'm and I'm just making that deep cut to Simo because it's pretty much when he started playing that role, a lot more attention got put onto those Magic Johnson-esque larger point guards. And Taylor Horton Tucker has played that role, like that whole point Horton Tucker experience. So they're not afraid to mix it up in Utah with like the distributor ball. They're also a very like they don't pass like this is the weird thing. They pass a lot, but they pass a lot isolation. Like as you can see by the drop-off of assists in a game, the ball's not always frequently moving. They'll pass around, they'll pass around. Okay, you'll have the ball for 10 seconds and you'll get that t- assist taken away from my stat sheet. Um, Colin Sexton, as you said, with 27% usage was right up there. Uh, sorry, 20%. 27% was Jordan Clarkson because Jordan Clarkson also runs some of the second unit. And so when you get that, if Colin Sexton takes that role up and you were talking about uh, usage this season, I see Colin Sexton becoming the new Jordan Clarkson in a way. And therefore he gets to run that second unit a lot more and he'll see his percentage and his usage really come up in that unit here. The first round draft picks are a little tantalizing later in the season because I absolutely love Keontae George. Like, before, um, as you said, pinging his ankle, over six games, his averages were 18.7 points, five assists, 3.7 rebounds, 1.3 steals. And yes, I know, Maddie, 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 it was summer league. But the guy cared and he actually wanted to put on a show and be grateful that he could play basketball. Like he wanted to go out there and show 
he's one of these dudes like, oh, he's got a motor, he's a hooper. Yeah, no, he's just a guy who wants to play basketball and, really, and play it really, really well because he knows that that's his career. And I think I get that more from Keontae than Taylor Hendricks and Senzabar. And I think Keontae is going to be the one to watch. And surprise, surprise, Keontae George is actually not going in a lot of drafts right now. Maddie, do you think that's an oversight of punters right now? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, this is just a, a testament to the future of the um, the Utah Jazz uh, franchise, isn't it? You know, it's a it's a youth movement. They got picks to come, um, and they took three first round draft picks this year. But I, I agree. If I had to shake my magic eight ball and pull a name out of these three of who's going to have the brightest future in the next few years, I feel like it is Keontae George. And in this team, as I say there, I think he's got the the best pathway to minutes and early minutes. I, he looked yep. – I know he was playing against other first, second, third years, people trying to get, the, get a placing on a team in the NBA in summer league. But he kind of looked yep. – he, he looks – NBA ready, you know, like he, yep. yeah, he, he looked hungry. He did. He really looked hungry. Whereas guys were out there just like playing, like I'm, I've got my contract. I'm a rookie. I'm in the league. I'm here to play. He sh- he came to play and almost to prove that he should have been the first pick ahead of Taylor Hendricks. You know what I mean? Like he just plays with a little bit of a chip and as a six four nuggety kind of guy. I like it. I like that motor that he's got in there. Um, Hendricks and obviously uh, Senzabar were. We didn't see them on their full display. I am. I am interested in in Taylor Hendricks, especially in that whole breakout at the, after the trade deadline kind of thing, um, because we know Utah last year played it very safe with Lowry Market, and if they're going nowhere quickly, as you said, they've got draft picks to come, and they could get another draft pick in this one in that top ten. And then you start to put a team and you land one free agency because they're going to have some cap room coming up. And all of a sudden, the Utah Jazz are very close to being back to the organization they were. Now, we're talking about the organization that had Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Connolly running around and leading them and doing really well. Like They were like Western Conference finalists. We are probably not this season, maybe not next season. We're only just a couple of seasons away though from these guys being a a contender in the western conference if they can keep a good young core together and they're drafting really well as you said you really like what's in the future for the utah jazz don't you maddie yeah and i mean if you're if you're in a keeper league there's some names to pay attention to so um yeah let's let's just see what they can do hopefully they get an opportunity they're in obviously in a position in utah where they probably aren't going to be pushing for much of a finals run. Hopefully some of those young guys get a run out there. Um, we know that there's a couple of injury risks out there. So those young boys might get a get a run. And they're only 19, the group of them. So they're basically kids. We'll see what they can do. Talk about someone who's not a kid. He's a, he's a grown man right now. He's one of the veterans of the team. John Collins, talk us through he, your... Um, you put down you put down the big season last season. You left me with a task to what you think my predictions would be for this season. So I filled it in for you, Mally. What do you think of my prediction? Mm-hmm. I'll talk through you. You have a look at my predictions. I'll talk through what his big season was. He's 1921. Well, you look at what I've thrown in there. Minutes was 33 a game. Usage was 23%, 21 points a game, 1.4 threes, 583 field goal, 800 free throw, who's from a sub 800 shooter the whole, his whole, pretty much his career. He's on 803. He's around 800, uh, 880. 10 rebounds a game, 1.5 assists, uh, 0.8 steals, 1.6 blocks, which was the really big thing that we saw on Collins this uh, that season with 1.8 turnovers. We've seen a lot more of the usage initiating plays and working as a creator as well. Last season, again, removed from that 21-22 and season, which was a bit of a write-off for the Hawks, even though they made it to the playoffs and everyone was high on them. Last season, again, the same trade talk continued, as you said earlier. And he's all the way down to 17% usage, playing 30 minutes a night, only 13 points a game, 1-3, 500 from the field, 800 from the line. Those are very respectable percentages, but his rebounds are now at six. You know, obviously that whole Capella, uh, Capella holding that middle down and just being a, a rebounding guru really kind of handicaps that for him. Assist 1.2, steals um, 0.6, and only one block a game. Not only one block. It's still a block at the end of the day. Read us through my predictions for 23-24. And do you think that I'm ballpark okay there or not? 
I'm just looking back at um at, at his big season, his 1920 season. You can get a real sense of why people were ready to give him a reach around, like, and do mm-hmm. terrible things to try and get him in their second round. Like, those are some mm-hmm. delicious numbers. If you're going to make make a player up that really doesn't have any deficiencies and does things across the board, that's it. I'm looking at your numbers yeah. here. So you've made a prediction of 30 minutes, which sounds about fair. You've got him going up a couple of percentage to 19, 19%. I think uh, with Kessler also not at a high percentage, I think he'll probably stay around the 14, 15 mark. So I think at 19%, that's reasonable, maybe even on the lower side. That might might be playing that a bit safe there. Yeah, 15 yeah. Uh, points a game feels good. One and a half threes, I like that. Uh, five twelve as a field goal percentage and seven eighty for a free throw seems pretty fine. The six to seven rebounds might yeah. not be accurate potentially if he's going to have to spend more time um, outside the arc. I think that might be a job best left to to Walker Kessler, but I think um, I think six is definitely not out of the realm of realism. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing with like six or seven. I was, yeah, I was, I was uncon, I was, I was not convinced. You, you've hit a good point there. Can we talk through that? I'm really curious to see his rebounds. We know Walker Kessler is an, a, an elite rim protector. If they move some small ball lineups, let's say they roll out a lineup where Collins plays the middle, uh, power forward is Lowry Marketing, and they bring in young bloke like Taylor Hendricks at the small forward spot, young elite Jordan Clarkson is your shooting guard. And Keontae George is a point guard for a small ball lineup. That's where I think that's where I really think Collins can come alive and really up that rebound count. And, and because and also that's then tied to his blocks increasing. As you're about to read out. Do you see like or do you see we, we get much of that, or do you reckon they're going to be very much anchored to a a big traditional anchor, a big middleman there in Utah? No, I'd, I'd like to see him um, play some more five this this season, and and maybe um, and play play the backup five minutes. I know that'll obviously affect Kelly or Linick, who must be about. When you were talking about him before, I was thinking about him being Canada personified. You know, he's just quiet, gets his job done, has a smile on his face. He's not showy. He seems very humble. Okay. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he's yeah, he's. I, it's giving me South Park vibes for sure, but yeah, I think um, I think I know he's potentially lined up next to one of the the league's premier shot blockers. But I, I feel like he probably the only thing I think you've undersold him on this year is maybe his blocks. I think I think there's there's room for him to move back up close to the one point four mark, as opposed to going down a like point two of a um of a percent. So sorry of a of a block. So It'll be interesting to see what happens there. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I know this is probably outside the realms of, of fantasy, but from an NBA perspective, they basically traded him for a 37-year-old veteran and a bag of tater chips. So, you know, like they didn't Great have to trade. up much to get him. Um, yeah, That just shows you but, how desperate yeah, Atlanta was to actually just clear him off the books. That shows you how absolutely desperate Utah, like Utah was to be like, one, give us more talent, but how absolutely desperate Atlanta was to be like, just we're done with the whole John Collins experiment. He's out of here. And then they've given him away for Rudy Gay. Like that's, that's pretty bloody shocking. Like that is, if he comes even half alive to part of that, it's going to be one of the steals of the off season, 100 million percent. And I haven't seen him move up the draft um, board very quickly. I think people get a little excited too when players move teams and they think they're going to, be this totally new player. This is still John Collins. He's just wearing a different jersey. And yeah, he might have some he might have some opportunities that he didn't have last season. But I think um I was gonna say temper your expectations, but I think from what I've seen in the mock drafts, people's expectations are pretty bang on. So yeah, I'd say if you if you're taking him around that probably 100, 110 mark, it's all upside. Like you're you you're you're stoked if you can get him there. But I think Realistically, he's probably going to go close to maybe ninety. Yeah, I think I think that I think if you're in a very competitive league, people will look at that upside straight away and try and grab onto that and try and even get a return at least a round or two value and hoping that he's going to return in seventies, oh, 
late 60s round value. So people will be very happy to snare him in the 80s. If you see him hovering around the 100s, it's definitely a take, especially if you're looking for like a power forward uh, position. And if he has that dual eligibility um, in the center role, yeah, it's just going to serve you in both ways in those leagues. Predictions for the Utah Jazz this season. Last year, um, they were 37 and 45. They were expected last year to be 39 and 43. So always look at the expected lines from the year before and then what they did, and they fell under that. They're expected this year to be even worse, but they've upgraded. And this is a really odd under and over at sports bet that I found because I believe that they've upgraded by way of John Collins, by bringing in Keontae George, by bringing in Taylor Hendricks. Um, I believe they've just gotten better as a general basketball team. If they're if they're at full health with Lowry, thirty five and a half. I think I might take over and 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 see a similar thirty six games, thirty seven games, thirty eight games. But I, I don't think thirty five. What about you, mate? I'm going. I'm going to go overs on this one. You? Yeah. Well, they obviously they got off to a, a wildly hot start last year, and then the whole team the organisation kind of came back down to earth. I'm the same as yeah. you. I'm a man who follows numbers and I try to let that lead the way and then and then fill in the gaps with my own understandings and predictions. But even though I think on paper they've got better, I'm actually I'm actually going to play devil's advocate here quite happily and I'm going to go um, under. I, I, I reckon, yeah. We might have to put a little uh, sexy wager on that, you and I, because I don't think we're going to disagree on too many. But, yeah, I'm... 35 and a half seems low, but I'm going under. Why not? Let's do it. You're going to go, do you, okay. So you think they're going to take the like tank, the tank route this season and like do it again, tank it up, get a really great shiny draft pick and then come back hard because I think they're going to be semi competitive for the year and then fade. So I think they're going to be one of those pesky teams, the pesky jazz, you know, the pesky upstart jazz. I reckon they'll, they'll flash their, they'll flash their things. Walker Kessler, you know, at the end of last season had his unleashing. If they put him together and play him properly against Lowry, John Collins is in town. They've got the same guard cast pretty much around. I don't see them being too dissimilar from last year. And we've got to remember when they were tanking down the stretch there, Lowry wasn't playing. So you could have dripped in a couple more wins here and there. They were quite comfortable being over that, like flirting almost with 40 wins at a point. I just see them like if it's 36 or 37, if it's the exact same carbon copy of last season, I wouldn't be surprised. Like if you tell me that they were 37 and 45 in, in at the end of the season last year in April, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That checks out. That, that's about them. But you're going unders. All right, we'll, we'll make a side wager on this one. Mally, thanks very much, brother. My pleasure. Always happy to join in and have a conversation with you, Matty. And talking about people who are happy to have a conversation, if you ever want to talk banks, talk to our good friend Ryan at Astute News. said, we can give you confidential lending assistance with no obligations attached. Don't get pigeonholed into one lender. Ryan specializes in residential home loans with over 50 lenders on panel, including the major banks. And the best part, our mate, he does no charge like other brokers. Astute Newstead offers personal, vehicle, and business loans. So reach out to Ryan at Astute Newstead on 0431-766-784 or email ryanh at eganwealth.com and use code INSIGHT to let him know that we've sent you. Because if you've ever wondered what is the best bank, if your current interest rates are too high or if your dream home is affordable, he can give you the answers you need. Guys, Matty, thanks so much for us, brother. You have a good one. We'll crack a chat soon. Peace, mate. Peruse. See you, Hooper.